A wise man once told me that mystery is the most essential ingredient of life. For the following reason, mystery creates wonder, which leads to curiosity, which in turn provides the ground for our desire to understand who and what we truly are. The search for meaning at the heart of life brings us to the contemplation of an eternal enigma. Mysteries are the stories we tell ourselves to contend with life's resistance to our longing for answers. Mysteries abound. This continent, this country, our own earthly origins are all laden with them, underlying our existence, predating all of our childish notions of history. Mythology precedes our access to historical or scientific fact, and we know now fulfilled much the same function for earlier civilizations, providing meaning in the face of a remorseless, indifferent universe. But in the absence of scientifically verifiable fact, it is necessary to sometimes view them as one and the same. So it is best to start at the beginning. Hello! I'm Dougie Jones, and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. A production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Thursday night, July 5th, and this is the summer installment of the 42 Minutes Seasonal Book Club. Tonight with us, the panel includes Alex Fulton and Dennis Cook. And naturally, we'll link to their pertinent information. Our book this evening is The Secret History of Twin Peaks by Mark Frost. From the co-creator of the Landmark series, the story... The story millions of hands... Millions of fans have been waiting to get their hands on for 25 long years. The Secret History of Twin Peaks enlarges the world of the original series placing the unexplained phenomena that unfolded there into a vastly layered, wide-ranging history, beginning with the journals of Lewis and Clark and ending with the shocking events that closed the finale. The perfect way to get in the mood for the upcoming Showtime series, into which we are currently eight parts deep. How are you guys doing mm-hmm. in the evening? <laughs> Good. Well, well. All right, so... <laughs> Excellent. That's great. And this, it seems like this is a pretty quick turnaround into another book show, right, Dennis? Yeah, but that's okay, man. I know everybody has been just freaking out over this, of this, so. Well, let's start by thinking of this as, instead of, uh, like, information or clues to the mysteries, like a piece of literature. So, Alice, Alex, if you were approaching it from that, from that vantage point... What do you make of this book? Hmm, good question. Uh, honestly, not that much. <laughs> not that much. I don't think it's like. As I read it, I, it feels a little bit like. I. It's. Uh, what do I want to put it? It's not the most like. This isn't James Joyce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. You know, it just feels like a labor of love for one thing. So that's nice. That's going in its favor. Um, well, here's a quick question then. So, were you a Twin Peaks fan from before? Oh yeah, since for a while for a while. For a while. High school. High school. Okay. 
And so then when did you read this? Just over the past few weeks. Okay, and so this is something that you read post Twin Peaks the Return. You've you've um you've been yes. watching them as you're reading this. Yes, I got it after the first four episodes came out and just finished it the other day. What kind of impression do you have as you re- read it from from that point of view, being a Twin Peaks fan and then trying to connect the town of the TV show to the town of the book? Well, it, it, I mean, it, it's clearly designed in tandem with the, the show. I guess my only problem with it is it's kind of... I mean, the great part about Twin Peaks sort of was just the mystery of everything. Like, you didn't know everything whereas this book kind of tells you everything and it sort of i mean there's still mystery but there's so much it feels a little bit like fan service um it's fun but it's it's just i'm not sure how much of it is like really necessary if that makes sense i I just think like the beauty of the original series was in the, the like that first season when nobody knew who killed Laura Palmer. It was this big mystery, and that was what Lynch is. That's what Lynch is good at is like unspooling this a mystery. When then when he's forced to give you the answers, it kind of is like uh fizzles. So this just feels like a book full of answers to questions that I don't necessarily think needed to be asked. That being said, and I don't want to be a bummer here. I did. Lo- I mean, I had a lot of fun reading it, and I'm loving the show. Um, but that's just my honest opinion. What about you, Dennis? What was your initial reaction? When did you start reading it? Well, a similarly similar similar situation to Alex. I read it uh, probably within the first episode or two of the of season three, and then. I loved it. I loved it because it expanded the uh, backstory um, partially too, because not only does it expand backwards as early as Lewis and Clark or even before, but uh, it's creating layers for um, parallels between past figures with current figures. So patterns emerge, which then you can, which is a mystery in and of itself because then you can look at these, uh, correlations and um, and that and then, uh, I don't know that's a great mystery. Um, but no, I loved it. I I loved it for how I mean he's he's like Mark Frost is basically just saying I'm a huge conspiracy theorist on some of all on the on the layers in which it's getting. I mean we're we're talking like linking observations of uh, UFOs within the Twin Peaks area to uh, human made. Uh, UFOs that is similar to what uh, Walter Bosley talks about dating back to the 1800s and even commenting that the book of revelations talks about uh, potential UFO side descriptions. Like he's saying that this is one of the biggest mysteries that you could bring into the story and, uh, uh, and incorporating it into the Twin Peaks landscape. You know, I mean, even, you know, the within the secret space uh, conversation, there's people like Michael Schratt that are doing these tremendous uh, detailed researches that basically shows how it's like from the Model T to a, you know, Mercedes or Jaguar in terms of what technology has been scaled up here in a very short period of time. So like, and then bringing in all the Nixon layers, uh, Nixon being interested. There, this is 
this conversation has been in the conspiracy world for a while. So here, here you're getting multiple parallel realities here, essentially. And, uh, and that's always been a Lynch thing, too. So uh, about uh, looking deeper into layers of what's really going on. And I don't know. I couldn't. I loved a lot of the Lawrence Jacoby stuff. There was there's a lot that I really enjoyed here. I don't I don't want to m- monopolize the conversation. So um, we can go into any of these stuff. So well, so let's just break down the architecture of this thing. Who is who? Who is the primary figures in this book, Alex? And then how is this story told? Um. Well, it's uh, if I can. There's so many, it's hard to... Yeah, yeah. Um, but would you say that there's... there's what What's the thrust of the thing? Is there... You know, what what's the point, I guess? Well, it, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's presented as a dossier of files. And it starts off with this message from Gordon Cole, which I enjoyed reading in the voice of David Lynch, <laughs> um, telling, talking to a anonymous agent um, saying who is a stand-in for the reader, and he's saying, you know, this is, get to work on this. You're the detective. It's time for you to figure out what's going on here. And then so it just goes through a bunch of different forms of, um, there's newspaper articles, there's letters, there's government documents, and then there's a bunch of interstitial comments from someone known as the archivist, who is sort of a mysterious figure until the end. And then on top of that, there are footnotes and uh, interjections made by the um, agent who's known only as TP, who we know now is a one of the characters in the new show, Tammy Preston, I think. And so it t- takes many forms. Uh, I think that answers the question, though. So, Dennis, you and I both did the audio version, and I think mm-hmm. there are layers and nuances mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, though I think Alex is right to point out that there's a lot, a lot that you miss out by not seeing that because I mean I've seen some of the pages, but um, there's but even yeah. like not to interrupt, but there's like so I didn't even know this till just now. Some of these pictures are like 3D um, pictures where you, you're supposed to put on 3D glasses and look at them, and if you look at them <laughs> through, through different colored lenses, they appear d- as different images, and so there's all this like decoding that's going on between like alter, I guess literally altering your perception to like read and figure out what's going on. I mean, I just went to the Twin Wikipedia or Twin Peaks Wiki fan wiki, and sure. the entry on this book is just like a novel in itself, full of just all these like tons of stuff I missed. So there's lots of just little Easter eggs and nuggets of, of information in here. Well, I believe that, I mean, is directly relating to what Lawrence Jacoby says in his work that's <laughs> referenced in the, in the dossier here, the eye of yes. God. And he's talking about how important it is to where, well, I think he brought it up in relation to Nadine. Nadine, that he wanted her to equalize by doing a different color <laughs> lens on each eye, but she only had. All right, but so that's interesting. So what do you yeah, make? Yeah, her eye being something that was shot out to. That was a. I really enjoyed his analysis of that, saying that she subconsciously chose to have her yeah. eye shut out as a means of shutting down that portion of her uh, hemisphere that um, uh, that's related to intuition and uh, are the right hemisphere. Correct. Uh, yeah. I think. 
um, and that they and that her obsession with drape runners is literally veiling off that part of her brain uh, because she doesn't want to see what's going around around uh, what she thinks is going on with um, Norma and Big Ed. But yeah, I don't know. This and that deal. and that I never really even thought of it, but the drapes thing is parallels the the red drapes yeah. of the Black Lodge and that are seen in the 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 cabin where Laura's murdered. Um, and the curtains yeah, like and the red, or the exactly, yeah. roadhouse occasionally. Yeah. 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 And everywhere, basically. Um, what was I going to, oh yeah. And so that makes me, when I read that, I like that too, Dennis. And, and it made me think about, cause I wonder how much of this was conceived like back when they first wrote this show. I wonder how much, I mean, I think, that kind of thing tells me that it was mostly conceived. And this is sort of just him going back and explicating what he kind of had in his mind in terms of like the connections to Parsons and Ross yeah. as well, that stuff. So that's kind of cool to know that, that this was in there from the beginning. It's not just kind of like a retconning of the universe. Well, I think the, the important word that we'd have to, or phrase we'd have to say in regards to that is blue rose. And like that is, I mean, so it seems like the nature of the mystery in Twin Peaks is the blue rose. And if we could understand exactly, I mean, so anytime they mention that, then it's always mums the word, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. all that we're going to say about (laughs) that. And so that, I mean, getting to the bottom of that, but it seems like uh, there's a pretty big reveal in the book where some point in okay so uh listeners hopefully you've read this but if not here's here's a big spoiler <laughs> dougie milford who we know from season two as uh mayor Mil- milford's brother who uh is like the newspaper man from the tv mm-hmm. show and he wears a beret and drives a like an mg or like morgan some, yeah that's what it is <laughs> right well, it also turns out that he's probably the first man in black because he just happened to be at Roswell and then he got enlisted into this whole this whole kind of case of the occult which ends up he's the lens to our history of the American occult is what it turns out to be. Um but he ends up setting up a station in Twin Peaks that's uh both monitoring like the Ghostwood and UFOs and stuff. And then Major Briggs ends up being his employee or whatever. Chosen, chosen, uh, yeah, handpicked. Uh, there we go, successor. successor Great, right. yeah. But there's, there's a point in that where we learn that Gordon Cole came to town with Philip Jeffries. Uh, now the details of that. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, sort of. I mean... And it seems like there are things there. There are spoilers or spoilers in this book to the series that if we only had a little more context. Okay, well let me tell you this. So I read this before the series came out, and I enjoyed it, and I was super enthralled. But I was kind of it was kind of a letdown because for me the world of the television show and the world of the book didn't mesh together as seamlessly as I would like. Like the idea that 
I could believe in the you know Dougie Milford as this thing, this major mover in Twin Peaks. I just couldn't. Mm. I couldn't yeah. go there. I didn't even. I didn't even remember who that character was until this book, and they showed this picture. Because at first, when they were talking about Milford, I thought they meant the mayor. I forgot he even had a brother, which this is my bad. Uh, well, I so remember his girlfriend. At all, that character. <laughs> right. I remember that now. I kind of blocked out a lot of season two, so it's kind of like uh, fuzzy. Um, yeah, but so that I mean that's that's how we primarily know the characters because the mayor is this thing on is this thing on? <laughs> um, he marries Lana, and then no, that's not true. Dougie marries Lana, yeah. and then he dies. He has a heart attack, and then the mayor accuses Lana of killing him with with sex. Here's the here's the weapon right here. Right, but then of course. He falls for her as well, and then they do the Miss Twin Peaks, and and that's basically towards the end of the... I mean, so that was the interesting thing for me, is trying to track the dates. And so uh, I read this before this the return came out, and so um, I had no sense of who Tammy Preston was. But then, Dennis, do, do you think... The characters mesh, and then in terms of time, you know, it's like you know, I'm I'm not that hung up on this on that, and I've I've read a lot of that the critiques of that, and even like minor incongruities about about that. I just think that like as creators, they've expanded this this world in a way that um, mirrors the American story to such a level. And uh, I, I'm not. I just. I don't know. I'm. I'm not. I. I'm okay with not uh, with any minor incongruities. Um, just because the tale that they're telling is so great to incorporate, like you know, Lewis and Clark uh, expansionist uh, in like the sort of implications of taking the land and you know uh, the chief's story. Uh, Chief Joseph as an, a narrator contributing, um, or even little little details like you know the idea that the owls are not what they seem might be a um, reference to the bird code names given by the MJ12 uh, pe- people, um, you, you know, and so you know I don't know it makes me reimagine things that I hadn't thought of and and I appreciate that level of expansion so um, how much of the the occult that they referenced was is uh, not fictionalized do you think most of it was man that's what i'm impressed by his work is that there's so many real threads that aren't just fictionalized stuff. So I, you know, I, I found the the way in which Jack Parsons was discussed to be kind of interesting, like, uh, um, because, you know, he can be demonized really quickly. Um, and, and Doug Milford's kind of describes him as a sort of, you know, a big dreamer and maybe, uh, um, uh, victimized by those around him a little bit, which I thought was interesting. And what do you guys, Alex? What do you make of of Jack Parsons in light of Part Eight that we just watched a couple yeah. weeks, <laughs> a couple uh, Sundays ago? Well, I mean, I've I've always thought of him as 
probably one of the most important people of the 20th century. Um, and it's clear that Mark Frost agrees. Um, I, you mean in connection? Oh, cause of the Babylon. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean that whole narrative, which is very much in sync with what, like Peter Lavenda wrote about wrote about and Sinister Forces, just this whole idea that Parsons and Hubbard did this ritual in the desert and it opened up gate to let something in. Um, I mean, I've always I've been intrigued by that story, but I've also been slightly wary of it because it it seems like too 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 simple almost. Like I I don't I can't say that I can boil everything down to those two guys um but i don't know then again it's there's a lot of things going on i do think parsons i mean i'm sympathetic to the frost depiction of him as a as a victim primarily um just from reading his writing it's i think he was a very progressive dude for his time um and his death is super suspicious um yeah then again, I I don't this the whole story. It just seems like I, I really like what um, Jason Horsley's little idea about the like what he calls a second matrix, where like yeah. like where Neo wakes up into you know out of the matrix into this other world, and he thinks he's like he knows what's up now, but in fact he has no he still has no idea, and there's like this other thing on top of it, and I think that's sort of where this whole story is in a way it's in this sort of second matrix land but that's okay i mean i think that's you have to wake up to that um and that's one thing i think is interesting about this whole series and the timing of it is it seems like this is almost like a a primer or primer for like a certain segment of the general populace to like take in this kind of information which they've i'm sure never heard before um, and sort of digested in this sort of way, this uh, uh, tasty, whatever, I can't think of the word, in this digestible way. Um, and so exposing this kind of, these ideas to a larger audience, I think is uh, pretty cool. Um, and I'm I'm excited. There's actually another book coming out. I don't know if you guys yeah. know um, The Final Dossier, which will be released on Halloween after the whole show has come out, so we'll see what that's all about. Yeah, hopefully we can chat about that one. Yeah. Well, so I guess that's <laughs> this is my stumbling block, Dennis, because I'm trying to figure out. We're not certain where, we're not certain when we are in the return <laughs> necessarily, and so Gordon Cole assigns Tammy Preston to look into this matter. And he says, follow the clues where they lead. And so somewhere about three-quarters of the way through, it's leading to him as being one of the main figures in what amounts to these. So, like, think on that for a second where yeah. Agent Cooper, like Agent Cooper, he just disappears for 25 years. Like, and then he, he tells his boss, well, I was working undercover. I need to be debriefed. You know, it's like, so in this branch of the FBI, 
they're dealing with with things that aren't of everyday consciousness and so like Philip Jeffries, David Bowie's character in Firewalk with Me, you know, he's he's also or Chet Desmond too. They well, and then it intimates yeah. Well, it intimates that Lewis disappears from the expedition because yeah. he's he goes into the waiting room, into the into the red room, into the black lodge. Well, yeah, because Jefferson <laughs> uh, Jefferson's reading note letters from him and they, thinks he's like lost his mind. But then, but isn't Lewis? he's killed under mysterious circumstances and, and it's bl- said that he commits suicide, but it, at grinders, whatever. <laughs> There's uh, some his- history in there. If true, that is fascinating. And I, yeah, I wanted to know, no, did those actual court cases come about in terms of trying to dig up the grave? Like, yeah, I mean, at this point I would think that Frost probably included that as a, a real thing that happened. I just don't know about it. Like, well, that's, that's the curiosity with this book, right? And we probably should. We should probably yeah. look it up. Um, but the Nixon and Gleason stuff is true. That, like, you know, so, I mean, it, there's a lot of details in there that, I mean, you, I, I, I mean, the James Forstall stuff is true. I think he, it's very likely that he was killed. Like, uh, uh, his suicide was, was faked. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry to get so passionate about it. It's just that there's like a lot of. I was just. Stop, I was impressed. Stop by, being passionate, Dennis. Yeah, I mean Nixon talking about Pine Gap and. Uh, well, Nixon you know. ends up kind of being a bit of a hero in this thing, which seems really strange to me. Yeah, I mean that discussion's out there. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, when you think about it, if everything. I don't know. I'm of the opinion uh, uh, that everything we know about history is wrong, and it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> At least you can safely assume, and it's the opposite, and then go from there. And so when we hear about Nixon being this just crook, um, I have to think that there's some reason for that, why he was ousted so unceremoniously. He must have done something to piss somebody off for real, and that kind of... Yeah. Well, and I had never really fully internalized the idea of him being uh, his connections to to Ike and Ike's mm-hmm. statement about the military industrial complex. And, you know, yeah. I mean, and James Forrestal, which I mean, and the MJ-12 stuff, which, you know, it's got its own narrative. But like, I don't know. Uh, it's fascinating. I, and, you know, it's hard to say what portions of. But this is where I came to it because you know basically we're talking about we have this narrative of the of the Black Lodge, this narrative of the White Lodge and stuff, and the idea of of astroturfing, you know, like information on both sides of these groups has been so thoroughly astroturfed at this point that it's hard to know what is real, and it's it's an interesting intersection. I mean, and you know, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to tell people what to think, but I. I found that the, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I'd heard these Nixon conversations before, so it's it's interesting to see Frost uh, pointing to him. So, and he presents kind of the a traditional good guys and bad guys, like Masons and Illuminati type. Yeah, he goes to Bavarian Illuminati in like the first. 50 you know or very very early on so you know he's talking about yeah uh, 
Well, and one of the one of the uh, the 3D images in the book I was reading about is this picture of an owl with the eye, the illuminated eye, like in 3D. And if you apparently if you look at it through like blue, it's just the owl. And if you look at it through red, it's just the eye. So it's like there's these two different forces at work. So he's definitely playing that kind of that kind of role uh, or or card of. Uh, Kind of like what Walter Bosley was always, so talking about, about warring secret societies, essentially. And those are up on the web if people want to see them. So. Oh, the image breakdowns? Yeah, the image breakdowns. You can see those on the web. Oh, do you have a link? You should send me the link. Uh, yeah, I will. Okay. Yeah. Um, the so the so One of the interesting things for me is that, well, the... The 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 book itself is the artifact that you're supposed to be holding. So you're supposed to be holding this secret dossier that the archivist, which is Major Briggs, has been working on and telling this story about Dougie Milford, right? But that said, and so like we've mentioned, it's clippings and newspaper things and, and menu, old menus from the, the Double R Diner and... <laughs> And a, a report that Cooper does and leaves in the bookhouse for Harry to find later. Um, the same firm that did J.J. Abrams' S, that book. Are you guys familiar with that one? No. no. So he did a book that was real similar in that you, when you find this book, that you're uh. you're holding this actual copy of a book, this historical novel called... Uh, uh, what is it called? It's called uh, The Ship of Theseus. And so there's there's a couple that annotate this book. And so you're reading their annotations, but you're also reading the story of the novel at the same time. And then the, mm. the novel... Yeah, I'm looking at it. Interesting. Yeah, but so I guess that Mark Frost was really... He was inspired by that in, in terms of design. And so they hired the same company to do The Secret <laughs> History of Twin Peaks. and And so... I'm the actual. What book, is that company again? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, that looks like an interesting book. I'm looking at all the images of that. But that said, there are. I mean, they definitely put secrets into the book. Like, so one of those things are the three images that you guys are talking about. Something else that has been discovered is there's a. What does it say? Archivist note, much can be learned in unexpected places. The library at the bookhouse is unique in my experience as an invaluable local resource. The special shelf contains the members' favorite tomes. Good literature is a mirror through which we see ourselves more closely. And so some Uber fan mirrored this image and they found that if you take only the... So they had numbers underneath the books, but they were using numbers that mirrored. So like the number one, the using Roman numerals, and number two, and then also number eight. And you end up with um, a secret message if you look at that in the mirror. And the, and the answer is, you know, it highlights the book Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing, the Warren Commission Report, and Double Indemnity. And so then the hmm. answer becomes Fear the Double. <laughs> that's awesome yeah because it's, yeah, it's, I, it's totally pointing and so in in october they know that you know we're talking about 
Mr. C or Evil Cooper or whatever you want to call him. And that's that's you know that's where Mark Frost's mind was. Yeah, Alex and I were just discussing the double and mirrored things. Just what was that yesterday when I Sirhan Sirhan is a double. Uh, the Boston bombings was at Brothers. You know, so there's this other. I mean, yeah, that doubling is uh, pops up all over the place. Also, in um, just off the top of my head, in uh, this latest season of Fargo, which is a brilliant show, everybody should watch, is uh, all about the double of Ewan McGregor and his twin brother at war. It's kind of this biblical thing, Cain and Abel kind of situation. Um, so, and they yeah. shot at the, some of the same places at Twin Peaks, I saw in one. Uh, really? Yeah, one set, or one. Uh, um, one uh, hotel in like south dakota was used for both 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 oh. or something yeah. interesting oh yeah that hotel <laughs> yeah remember something i i think we yeah. we talked or we sent a picture yeah i remember now i remember now so you were you were in the pacific northwest alex and um the thing that i have a hard time keeping straight in my head is so snoqualmie washington is very much in western washington it's like on the on the water side of the Cascades, you know, so uh-huh. it's it's like at the bottom of the pass, and then you go up, and then you go over, and then you get into, you know, that's how you move towards um, eastern Washington, where Twin Peaks is supposed to be. Twin Peaks, Washington, is supposed to be closer to Idaho than it is, you know, so it's it's near the Canadian border, but it's also near Idaho as well. Right. But <laughs> in my head... It's. It, I mean, even like when you see Jacoby out there in his trailer painting these shovels gold, it's like, no way. That you know, that's like Cascade National Park. You know, this is that's a rainforest. That's totally Western Washington. That's not Eastern Washington at all. And that's why um, Hawk has to be like a Nez Perce because that's kind of the right place of the world that he needs to be. For for where Twin Peaks is supposed to be, closer to Spokane than Seattle. Oh, and you know, Doug, you just jogged my memory. So the Hanford nuclear plant is where they got the plutonium for the White Sands uh, um, thing. And like right before, this was a news event. Right before, I think the first Twin Peaks. It was in when did this? Did, when did the season three start? Was it April, May, or May? Yeah, it, May. It was May because May tenth. I'm looking at a news article about this. May 10th was the, uh, so they had that big event in uh, at the Hanford site where um, uh, some tunnels collapsed underneath, uh, storing uh, a bunch of, um, you know, irradiated materials. So it's like the history just got collapsed right before, the real history got uh, hidden <laughs> under as this new history is coming out, exposing it. It's, I don't know. Very, very interesting. The 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 actual uh, timelines of some of these things. All right. Well, so we're kind of coming to the end of the forty-two minutes. Damn you! In in this in, did did the book make your experience of the show more enjoyable, or or is it a, a totally different experience altogether? I think it was kind of different, but I but I think the show has been so 
wonderful for what it offers um, in in terms of mystery and and uh, um, contemplation. That I it didn't really it didn't pollute it too much for me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, so, what about you, Alex? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a different experience, but I wouldn't. It. Um, I don't think it really added or subtracted. I think it's its own sort of thing, and I wonder how much of it will be answered by the show and how closely it'll be tied in. And so maybe my answer will change as I watch it now. Um, having read this book, maybe I'll start to see things in the new show that I didn't see before I read it, but it's hard to say. And then would you either of you think that you would read it again? I might. I mean, I'd probably pick it up and read some parts. It's, it's a really easy kind of yeah. brisk little read. So it's not like a, tough thing um but it is fun to pick it up having read it once and start when you realize who the archivist is because you can start reading it in his voice which is a lot of fun and it makes a lot of sense because briggs was always my favorite character in the show so how did you experience so that's that was the fun of the audiobook and i think you kind of need to do both so that dennis when you got to the the book house edition and you didn't you know at first tammy preston thinks she knows who it is but we immediately know who it is how did you experience that part um yeah i mean well look if i had any like minor critiques about the audiobook is that like you know it's it it's probably more fun to read some of that than to hear it because some of the tamra tamra preston stuff like i you know it's it remind my wife. Okay, so my wife has like done a number of video games for voiceovers. So occasionally you have to do like you have to die in like any di- different conceivable way. And like Tamara Preston has to say uh, TP like 20, 20 or thirty different ways, and so it becomes like this funny little thing about what sort of emotional imprint she's putting onto this little line. And it, so hearing it is kind of campy. But uh, but I actually liked Alex's point about it being sort of a, a sort of this fanboy type uh, entertainment, and I I totally get that. Like um, I don't remember what your question was. Doug, well, but. so like we at first Tamra doesn't know who wrote this. Yeah, and it, immediately we know because Kyle McLaughlin is reading it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. for me, oh, like that cool. was the warmest thing in the whole thing because it's like I I did it before the show came out. Uh, it must have been, boy, I don't even know when. It, early, early spring is when I raced through it, and so, all those little tastes of the old series were the things yeah. that were so so. Like Russ Hamlin reads. Uh, He's great. Uh, I think his name is Christopher Mulkey, who plays Hank. But they killed Hank off, I think. Yeah, he dies in prison. He dies in prison, yep. And so some of those things are, like, so bizarre to me. It's like... But, yeah, and then David Patrick Kelly, I think, who plays um, Jerry Horn, he's all over the book. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, I'm psyched. I think we're going to see... I think we're going to see... Michael Olkin. I think we're going to see all these people in this new one. Like, I think this is a magic trick. We're going to get, you know, all, <laughs> totally. all I think the, we're going to see David Bowie. I do too. I do too. I totally do. 
Yeah. That's what I want to know is when they actually started filming the damn thing because they didn't announce it until 2016 and they have footage of Margaret, uh, the log lady, who died in 2015. So that tells me that they were thinking about this a long time before, actually. And part of me wonders if they actually started because she died like a few days after they filmed that apparently. And uh, so it was like, I wonder if they said, if we're going to do it now, we got to do it now. Cause we got to have the log lady. Yeah. So, and that was sort of what set off the whole, that, like that might've been the first thing they filmed was her scenes. That's what I want. That's what there's a, there's a Reddit suspicion that, that uh, the actor, I forget his name who plays Wyndham Earl has already appeared in costume in, in some scene. And that really? he, yeah, yeah, there's theories about that. But like he left his a play he was working on uh, abruptly four months uh, before the filming. So like uh, and, you know, Catherine, Catherine Packard also appeared in co- in uh, disguise multiple times in season two. Right. So like who's in I mean, I wonder who's who's already been in it. But, uh, or I don't know. I'm, I think we'll see them, you know. I think what you just said about this being a magic trick is so true. This is right? just, this is this is a big working. Like we talk about Parsons and the Babylon working. This is a working right here. For sure. Well, that was forty-two minutes. Thank you guys so much for sharing it with us. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. You bet. You've been listening to the forty-two minutes seasonal book club on forty-two minutes of production of Sick Book Radio on thesinkbook.com. For more information about our panelists, check out the show notes for links to their work. For more information about the Sync Book, our guests, to check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit the website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a Sync Book Plus member. Some of the membership benefits include full access to the complete audio archive, discounts on books behind the scripts, bonus audio and video, as well as seasonal online hangouts with the hosts. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much, and mysteries are as much a part of nature as sunrises. They may not yield to us, but they are freely available for all to wrestle with. The hoarding and withholding of secret knowledge is the trademark of covert societies and governments for the purpose of concentrating power and resources within a powerful elite, the few against the many. These polarities stand in direct opposition to one another, mysteries enliven existence secrets strangle it the battle continues to this day and the flow of information in any free society depends on the outcome
shows It's a pity 